Hello, I'm Britannia, consciousness coach, trainer, and explorer of what it means to be human. Welcome to Inspiring Global Transformation. I will be interviewing pioneers, thought leaders, and leaders of companies from all over the world. People who walk to a different beat, have chosen a different path, and in doing so are leading the way for global transformation. My hope is that these ideas will inspire, encourage, and support you to get involved or to start something of your very own. This is our very first podcast and the first part of my interview with Joe St. Clair. Joe has written numerous books and is currently the Managing Director for the World Sustainability Development Forum in the UK. In this podcast, we talk about his personal journey from successful business consultant to his meeting with Estrella and subsequent training in all things spiritual. We talk about why someone who is so successful would walk away from it all to follow his purpose, how to know what your purpose is and how to find it, what an earth angel is, what it means to be a spiritual being in a human body, and much, much more. I suppose most of my working life has been very traditional in some ways. Um, I, I, I started... Um, after leaving school, probably in 1980, really, when my career kind of, in 1978, I think, when I kind of kicked off my first job. I've always been in work, um, which has been interesting, but um, I followed the traditional path, the things that my parents wanted me to do, things that my career instructor at school told me I wanted to do, um, which is getting on the, um, the social treadmill. You leave college or university, you get a job, <laughs> um, I got a very boring job in a bank, which uh, I just about survived for two years. Then I did a management training program for Nationwide Building Society, which was much more progressive in many ways. And I, I had a fantastic time, wonderful organisation. They keep winning awards for how well they treat their staff and they're, nice. they're amazing. So man and boy, I went through the ranks quite fast, um, nationwide from sort of T-boy up to executive. And then um, this thing they call headhunting happened. Um, I used to be a headhunter. Ah, you know what <laughs> Many, many years then. ago. Yeah, I, I got approached unexpectedly by an international management consultancy. And then for about 10 years, I was an international management consultant, which was really, really interesting. I was working all over the world and um, working in the boardrooms of some of the world's largest companies solving corporate problems um, jet set lifestyle in the extreme huge expense account brand new car every other every second year um, dining out in the world's best restaurants traveling first class um, good salary but high stress high yeah. stress but i enjoyed it in, in many ways because i actually got to see how companies really, really work. Um, and I mean, yeah. from what we've said, I mean, we've we've met and spoken on numerous occasions and yeah. have read the manuscript. Um, I mean, sort of traditionally speaking, you were very successful. You had most of the things people would class as success, wouldn't you? Very, very much, yeah. Um, so much so that you tend to take uh, for granted. So you've got a, a nice big house in the Cotswolds, you've got a family, You've got a great career, you've got a great car, you've got a great expense account. Um, so in, in that respect, you, some people would classify that as success. I mean, actually, I did too at that time. But how things have changed. I know. And that's, I think that's one of the things that I really want to get out of this mm. interview. Because 
Um, a lot of people I know have made this sort of move towards living more consciously, but they've done it because um, something happened in their life. Their life didn't work or they went through an experience of pain or mm. something happened like that to sort of get them to look more deeply and to make that change. Yes. But that's not the case for you. No, um, I think that's true of a lot of people I've met, what you've just described. They wake up one morning and they just think, what, what's it all about? You know, why am I here? What's the meaning of life? Or, or they lose their job, or they have yeah. bad health, or they have a relationship fail, or mm. a number of different things. But it's normally that they kind of get to rock bottom and they kind yeah. of think, I just can't live like this anymore. It's true. Um, I would say the largest percentage who make this uh, change do it through crisis. There's some yeah. crisis which um, intervenes into their life unexpectedly and changes their whole perspective. But that wasn't the case for you. No. So do you want to share a little bit about what happened to you? Well, yeah. I mean, in the wider context, what happened is, I think, when I look back over my life, I recognise now, I didn't then, but I recognise now, that there were all kinds of signals coming from the spiritual world to me uh, for many, many years, since childhood. But I deliberately ignored them, consciously ignored them, I would think, well, that's weird. Why did that happen? Well, what, what's going on here? But I was so focused on what I thought was the measure of success, my career and, and, and uh, my you know, future prospects and making sure I had a good pension and, and all the things that people traditionally worry about. I suppressed any spiritual insights or messages. I just said, go away, don't bother me, I'm too busy. And that happened right up to um, 2011. Um, Just inconvenient thoughts. Inconvenient thoughts. That I, yeah, I, I subconsciously said, go away, stop bothering me. And um, so it was happening right from the start. But I never actually stopped and listened deeply to these messages. Do you think you knew how to listen? No, I didn't. And I wouldn't have done anyway. Yeah. Um, and then... I, I got more interested, I started to get more interested in spiritual things. Um, and then... In, yes, you went on a retreat or something, didn't you, before the whole yeah, major that's right, <laughs> turning yeah. point happened. And it's, it's, it's weird how you remember these things. Um, even though I said I wasn't particularly spiritual and I was very career-focused, um, when I was about 18 years old, because I've always been a book lover and passionate about reading, I still am, um, I went out and bought a few books on meditation. Okay. And I was fascinated by the subject. Can you explain why you chose to do that? Not really. I, I spent most of my money, even as a child, on books. And I read very, very widely. Um, as a small child, it was mostly fiction. But by the time I was 18, it was almost... 98% non-fiction. The only reason I'm asking mm. is because I think that was my major turning point. Yeah. Um, I'd always been quite spiritual as a child, um, religious actually more than spiritual. Mm. Um, I don't think I knew that spirituality was a thing as a child growing up. Um, but then I sort of became disillusioned with it as I became a teenager and didn't answer things and whatever else. And almost completely sort of just cut that part of myself off. Yeah. Um, and then when I was about 30, um, I was overseas, I had two young kids, and I think my ex-husband had them, he wasn't my ex at the time, but I think he was looking after them. Mm. And I got the chance to go to a bookshop, 
which for me, like you, yeah. I loved reading. And I remember going into this bookshop and being so excited because if anyone's got little kids out there, they'll realise going into a bookshop with little kids just doesn't work. No, <laughs> it loses it its magic. That's true. <laughs> so having this sort of time to go into this bookshop on my own was a real treat. Yeah. Um, and I remember going through the gardening section and the cookery section and you know, all the different things that mm. I was interested in. And when I came back home and I was looking through my pile of six books that I kind of, you know, yeah. got together that I was going to indulge myself in, I picked up one and it was Many, uh, Many Lives, Many Masters by Neil Donald Walsh. I know the one. And the weird thing was, I remember thinking, why have I got this book? Yes. I don't remember choosing this book. Mm. And I put it at the bottom of the pile. And I think I read the first book and then I kind of, almost it was niggling at me and I was just like, oh, for goodness sakes, let me just get it over and done with and read this book that I don't even know how I ended up with. Um, and that was that. <laughs> that, that. That was Brian Weiss, that book title. Yes, sorry, yes, yes you're right, Dr. Yeah. Brian Weiss. Yeah, I've got that one. Yeah, um, so although I wasn't what I would call spiritual in any context, um, I was interested in, in the concept of meditation, and uh, there's a whole other story to that, but um, that interest stayed with me. Yeah. So I found that um, most of my holidays through through you know, bringing up four children, typical family holidays. Um, but as soon as the children had flown the nest, then uh, when I sat back and thought, right, I need a break, where am I gonna go on holiday? And I was attracted to start going on, I guess you could call them retreats, which were mostly yoga meditation retreats, and really, really enjoyed them. And in uh, the summer of 2011, I'd been reading for a few years about this little Greek island called Skiros. Uh, where they have wonderful courses and wonderful food and it's a small traditional Greek island um, and as I've always been a writer, freelance writer, uh, they were doing a course on creative writing on Skiros married with yoga and meditation so it seemed like a perfect, perfect yeah. opportunity um, so I went out to Skiros um, without the family, found it was one of the most stimulating and relaxing holidays I've ever had in a beautiful location. Um, I, at the time I was a management consultant traveling all over the world in high stress uh, projects but it really really chilled me down and um, uh, the chance to actually get away from it all and then it was about a week after I returned and got back into my three-piece suit and my cufflinks and my smart tie um, that a life-changing experience happened to me which totally altered every facet of my life which again uh, when it initially happened I said go away I don't need this <laughs> do you want to share a little bit about it I don't want you to go into too much depth because that's sure. the book um, yeah. but I will pick up on certain bits of it because I find it so fascinating yeah um, it was never actually intended to be a book at all what happened it was, just your diary, it was a personal it? diary yeah. which always I intended to keep as just a personal diary. So although I'm a freelance writer of magazines um, and web text and things like that, um, this was too personal. And it took a lot of persuasion for me to actually turn that into a book. But uh, what actually happened in a nutshell, it's very, very simple, though it sounds surreal, and probably was, is that um, my work colleagues were, same as me, international management consultants working on big projects all over the world but we were all on very good salaries we hardly ever saw each other because we were working in different countries so what we did is once every year 
about 25 of us would say we'd have a social, we'd have a get together. And someone would decide, let's meet in Paris, let's meet in Madrid, let's meet in San Francisco. Um, and money wasn't an object. It was just, yeah, yeah, sure, see you in this bar or that bar or wherever. And this particular time it was London. So it was after a normal working day in London for me. I'm still in my suit. We, a friend of mine had um, booked a room in a pub in Mayfair. We all turned up from all over the world. We all went up to the bar, met each other, great reunion, ordered our drinks and were socialising uh, in, this, in this pub in the middle of Mayfair when the door of the pub opened and everyone looked round to see this very, very strange person. I say strange person because it was uh, a person who was wearing a black cloak with a hood, um, the cloak that went down to the floor. A bit like a Scottish widow from the Scottish Exactly the like the Scottish yeah. widows, exactly. Um, the person and for those that aren't from England, it's a bank in the UK. <laughs> a bank in the UK. Yeah, it's, it, it's it's a bit like a monk's hood over a black cloak. Um, it was uh, a young woman. She put back the hood. Uh, she looked to me about sixteen years old. Very, very out of place in a uh, pub in Mayfair, <laughs> full of full of business people in their suits after work, and. Um, she just came in and she walked straight up to me, nobody else. And she just said, it's Joe Sinclair, isn't it? And I said, yes. And she said, I've been waiting a long time to meet you. We need to talk. And she said, but I'm not gonna bother you now because you're in a work social. Um, I will be in touch in the next couple of days. And then she smiled and she left. And of course, all my business buddies said, <laughs> Who was that strange woman? What was, you know, what yeah. planet was she from? And um, I said, I have no idea. And I have no idea how she knew my name or who she is or where she's from. Yeah. Um, but uh, she told me where to meet her a few days later in London. Um, and half of me said, don't bother, and this is crazy. But half of me was fascinated and intrigued. So I met her uh, and that started me off on a new life. Um, do you want to just share who she was? Just thinking about, you know, somebody might be interested or thinking about, you know, your book. Um, and it might be nice to sort of have a little bit more information about how that started and what, yeah, what mean, journey it took you on. Basically, again, I have, it, it's such a big story. I have to keep it very, very high level. Absolutely. But um, we, we have the, in the spiritual world, we recognise a number of different terms. Um, guardian angel, spirit guides, soulmates, twin flames. There's all kinds of yeah. connotations. Um, one of them, which is probably not as common as the rest, is called an earth angel. Um, it's not a good term because when we use the word angel, we tend to think of an angel in Christian connotations. Yeah, glowing with uh, white glowing, wings. And... Exactly. Um, but... What seems to happen in, in the wider spiritual world is there are um, people who've been incarnating uh, on the earth for many, 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 many times, many past lives, and they kind of act as volunteers to wake up humanity. So they're not 
the spirit guides who live up in the heavens um, or people who are contacted by mediums or psychics these are very down to earth flesh and blood people but they are keepers of spiritual wisdom um, and they're probably the best term you could give them is earth angels because they're based here on earth but they're here to wake up people to who they're supposed to be and what they're here for so it's almost like they're a messenger and they're sent to literally wake people up from following blindly their current path um, and and set them on the path they were they're here for their mission on, on, on earth their mission what why they exist what they're here for what their role in life should be um and i think i found it quite sad actually when i read the the manuscript that you gave me um because they said or she said that not many people want to wake up that's true yeah the uh, relationship with Australia, uh, that was her name um was a relationship or that lasted about 18 months which was a basically teacher-student relationship and um, she being the teacher me being the student and i learned so much from her in that 18 months that it completely turned my life around but to answer that your question yeah um these uh, people who are not spiritually enlightened the spirit world calls us sleepers um, it almost means we're sleepwalking. We, we are going through the routines of leading a normal life, as are all our neighbours and our friends and relations. I always think it's a lot like the, the movie The Matrix. It is. Um, and I it think is. that movie is so poignant yeah. because there's so many layers to it. It's not just what it seems. No. It's it, almost like the, the sleepers are the ones plugged in yeah. to the sort of the illusion mm. um, and the ones that are awake that obviously can see beyond that yeah that that's absolutely right and um, again in spiritual terms when sleepers wake up to their spiritual potential and realize why they're really here and what their mission is on, on this planet what their purpose is if you like their life purpose they become what the spiritual world called stars you could call them the enlightened ones or the awakened ones but basically using the term star all of us every single person on this planet is a star but so until we and some are awake yeah until some are we within uh, what's it parameters of being awake some are half awake <laughs> we're all potential stars but until we are awakened by some agency whether it's a crisis or whether it's a spiritual awakening we are sleepers and these messengers there are thousands of them like australia there are thousands of them all over the planet and their mission is to identify those people who are close to that borderline if if people are too entrenched in their normal mundane day-to-day -day life the spirit world will know this and they will leave them alone thinking well they've got more development to do so i suppose you're sort of starting to go on these retreats and starting to explore meditation mm. was sort of a nod towards he might be ready yeah so i think they they know everyone's potential from from birth and they they watch but when they feel that you're ready uh your life will change not everyone meets an earth angel 
some well, people... I must admit, I know many people from all over the world who yeah. are the only person I know. Yeah, it's, it's rare. It's rare. <laughs> and of course, what happens is when one walks into your life unexpectedly, you think, oh, why me? Leave me alone. <laughs> Go away. I haven't got time for this. Um, but very soon after, once you realise that this person is genuine, this messenger is, is genuine, uh, and everything they're telling you resonates with you and brings back deep-seated memories and, and thoughts, then you can't help but listen. And that's something actually I wanted to ask you yeah. about. I mean, for somebody who most of the world would consider being incredibly successful, what made you choose to walk down that path? What was so compelling that you decided to go down that path? Uh, there was a number of reasons. And, and to go back to your earlier question, I would say that people who, approach, who are approached by messengers or have a crisis in their life or have a spiritual awakening, um, I would say only about 5% follow through on it because the rest of the people who, who have this issue, they will be aware that they've been awakened and that there's another reality out there, but it's too scary for them. Um, they think, oh my gosh, oh, this is, this is, this is fascinating and interesting, but, but I've, I've got to do the shopping, you know, I've got, I've got to pick kids up from school, um, I've got a you know, career I'm building, and it's just too hard. Actually, I've had clients like that. Mm. I've had clients that have opened a door into a whole other reality mm. um, and actually explored it a little bit and then decided that not right now. Yes, that's very, very common. Do you think a lot of that's also society, pressure from society? Totally. Because then they're not normal anymore. It, yes, it's not, fit, it's not fitting in. When you, when, you, when you are awakened or enlightened, whatever word you want to use, um, if you make a conscious decision, I am going to follow this path. I am going to do what I'm here to do. I am going to follow my purpose, my mission in life. Um, that's a huge challenge for everyone around you. Yeah. Um, if, if you're a mother or a father and you've got family, you may be close to your parents, you may be close to uh, colleagues and friends, work colleagues, and they will notice that you change. They will notice that the things you talk about have changed, what motivates you have changed, your perception on life has changed, and they think you're, you're falling ill, or, or you're having a delusion, or you're psychologically damaged, or they, they're thinking, what's happened? This is not the person I know. Um, I know when I started sort of becoming more spiritual and walking a more conscious life, if I look back on who I was before I started down that path, I don't think I, I mean, I'm still friends with the people that I was friends with them, but I'm not, they're not in my life mm. as such. I mean, I might message them from time to time, but I don't meet up with them. I don't have coffee with them. I have no interest in what they're interested in. Our interests have, have, have split completely. That's a typical so, symptom. Yeah, I mean, if I look mm. back, my, yeah, my whole network of people has completely changed. Yeah. And I can see that that would be quite terrifying. That's what's happened For to me as well. It's totally. to, to let totally. go of that because then yeah. it's the fear of all those sort of triggers, the fear of being alone, the fear mm. of being abandoned, rejected, and all of that, I would imagine, would try and move somebody to sort of hold on to it. Yeah, absolutely correct. And the other thing is that once you start learning about how the spiritual world works, mm. 
why does it work like that? It doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense in human terms, but it makes total sense in spiritual terms, but we only think in human terms. So because every single individual is on, we're all on a soul journey. Whether we know it or not. Whether we know it or not, absolutely correct. Uh, whether we know it or not, and most people don't, they are not consciously aware. Once you realize that you are on a soul journey and that you have a purpose and a mission to accomplish and you're here for a reason, but when you realize you can't stay as you are, it puts a tremendous strain on, strain on relationships. And many, not many always, people. But I mean, a lot of people experience that. Oh, yeah, not, but not everybody. Some people are lucky enough to wake up together. Well, that's the perfect outcome. But yeah. That's the perfect outcome. But I can see, happen. I mean, if you do change so dramatically, then yeah, partners can yeah. challenge that. Yeah, and you get challenging, oh gosh, what's wrong with you? You've changed. Go and see a doctor or go and see a psychiatrist. And uh, you know what's happening to you, but you can't convince others. And if you try, they just think you're, you're totally nuts. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in the end, you give up trying and just accept that, that they are on their own path and that has to be respected. Absolutely. Yeah. There's nothing wrong or right. It's no. just a different choice. It, it is. But yeah. I suppose that was bringing, coming back to the question I asked, is knowing how much chaos and how much you have to let go of, mm. um, what for you was so compelling that you did that? I said there was a number of things. Um, with my situation with uh, Australia as my, as my teacher, we were meeting at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, uh, and she was teaching me many, many things. And um, the first few weeks, I retained my management consultant scepticism. So at the back of my mind the whole time was, is she for real? Is she just completely mad? Is she, she had a big sword, sense? didn't she, that she walked around with? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I love that. I think that's just so amazing. Yeah, there's a this story a teeny, really petite woman carrying this massive carrying sword, sword around London. Yes. It's just fabulous. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, there's a story why it's, it's a symbolical no, You'll have thing. to read the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to answer your question, what happened is, um, you, can imagine, you, can, you can imagine the scene that there's this earth angel trying to teach me stuff. Me listening carefully, making notes, but being skeptical and thinking half, you know, is she nuts? Is, is she mad? Is it me? What's going on here? Um, but she was able to tell me things about myself that only my mother or possibly my father would have known. So she had a very deep insight and she was able to remind me of all the things that had happened in my childhood or my teenage years where messages had been sent to wake me up I'd ignored. And when she reminded me of them, I thought, oh my gosh, yeah, that, that weird thing that happened that day. I didn't know what that was about. Um, but probably the biggest thing was that it's to do with something we call channeling. Um, there are many, many people who challenge mess channel messages yeah. from the spirit world. They're mediums, they're psychics. They get what you might call in IT terms, downloads, channeling. Actually, messages. the Neil Donald Welsh, who I mentioned before, mm. instead of Dr. Brian Weiss, he wrote um, Conversations with God yes, to me. And he exactly channeled or downloaded right those books. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So 
when I was about 24 years old, when I was working in uh, actually Nationwide Building Society head office in London and commuting into, I was a business analyst, I was trained at, at the time. Um, every morning I would get um, a train or a coach into London. And this particular night, when I was age 24, I had this incredible dream. But I knew it was more than a dream, more than a dream, because you don't always remember your dream or you remember fragments. But I remembered every single detail of this. And it was like watching a movie, but it was an incredible movie. So when I woke up in the morning, I was a little confused and thought, that was an incredible dream. And I remember every little detail. And it's so amazing, I'm gonna write it down. So what I did is I got on the train that morning with a huge pad of paper and the whole journey into London I was writing. So this and was when the I got days home, before iPads and phones. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, 1983, 84, computers came out in 86. So um, yeah, I, I, I just spent that evening and the next morning on the train again and next night. So I wrote down the whole dream as fast as I could, but I didn't lose it. It was all in memory. I didn't forget any of it. And it took me two or three weeks, but finally I had finished a whole book, uh, a work of fiction, because all I was doing was writing down the film I'd seen. And I called that story The Feather and the Stone. Um, and then- I haven't read that actually. And I yeah. think I want to. Well, late, later, many, many years later, I pulled this manuscript out of a drawer. So I just hidden it in a drawer. And I decided to transfer it onto a computer and made it into a novel. Um, and then again, when it, when it was all printed out and put in a binder, I put it back in a drawer. But I've more or less forgotten about it because we were going, when I met Australia in 2011, we're going back um, 20 years or so. And one of the things she said to me, she said, when you were 24, you wrote a novel, didn't you, called The Feather and the Stone? I mean, she knew everything. Yeah. She, she knew. And I, oh yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I wrote it and I put it in a drawer. And she said, before we meet next week for our next lesson, reread your novel. Tell me what you think. And I thought, strange. Um, but I did, she suggested, I dug it out, blew the cobwebs off it, read it, and I thought, oh my God, because what I thought was a complete work of fiction, um, I found was a story about me. But at the time I'd written it, it wasn't about me. It was about fictitious characters. It was a dream. It was a dream. Um, but it was almost like a prediction of what would happen to me in my later life. And many of the things in there had actually come to fruition and I hadn't connected it. The other thing that happened is when I was uh, 14 years old, I started to learn to play guitar and I had classical guitar lessons, then I had blues lessons, jazz lessons, and all sorts. But I really got interested in folk music, but I always wanted to perform my own songs, never yeah. other people's. So I was a prolific songwriter, but Australia said to me, um, out of these hundreds of songs, she said, there are four or five songs that you've written as a teenager. Go and dig out the lyrics. And I went back from London home and I went to my file and I pulled out these songs and they were all ones that 
had come to me from the ether. They'd been channeled to me or something because I never really understood what they were about. I'd just written down the words. But every one was about being on a spiritual mission. And in that context, she had reminded me that even when I was young, I was writing spiritual songs and spiritual novels without recognising them as such. And that's the point where I thought, she's for real. This, yeah. is, this is relevant. Yeah. Well, what knowing, and I suppose as things started to change, why was it so important to stay on that journey? I mean, I, I totally get that she convinced you and reminded you that this was something that had happened throughout your life. Yes. Um, and that you could understand that she was for real and wasn't just some weird yeah. person trying yeah. to be kind of fruity. <laughs> That's right. Um, but what made you, what made you take, walk down that path? Because, I mean, looking at your life now, I mean, nowadays you, I mean, you ditched your corporate work, didn't you, eventually? Yes. And you changed, changed paths and changed you, paths. you ended up working at the Laszlo Institute. Yeah. Um, and all sorts of other things. All sorts of other things. So what, what, why was that so important to you to, to do that? Well, that's, that's a great question. And I think it goes way, way back to when we're all young. Yeah. When, when we're, I would say in our teenage years more than younger years, but every single person on the planet at some point in their development asks themselves the big questions. They ask themselves, why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? What direction should I head? What's the point of it all? Now, we all ask those questions, but most of us, they get so caught up in the daily grind and having a career and having a family, that those questions sort of die away. We don't get the answers we want. Yeah, and, I was going to say. We don't always follow up. Yeah, what I'm kind of also thinking as you're talking is that when you're at school, you're given an array of options mm. um, of what people think are the options. Yes. So it's almost like you, you're not given the space to really explore that mm. and find an answer that is your answer. Mm. You're given a set of answers and you're told, okay, well, this is the set, choose from this. Yes. Um, so it's completely narrow compared to what you might come um, up with. What I found though was most people, um, they shelve the, these questions because they've got to get on with the day job uh, and daily life. Whereas exams to pass. Exactly. exactly. <coughs> I found that in my life, um, these questions never went away. They were always there, you know, every week, almost every day. So I, I felt an odd one out because I was always seeking the answers. And I sought the answers in books. I, I, I probably got two or three thousand books in my library. I thought somewhere in one of these books, I'd find the answers to big questions. I, I went on courses, I watched films, um, I talked to various people through life. So was this carrying Sinking. on even before you met Australia? Yes, it was carrying on before. So that was like a, a thread that wove through your life, right in the background, just carrying on. Yeah, but I didn't really think of it in the spiritual context. Um, I may have thought of it in a career context, you know, you know, was I born to be an international management consultant um, or am I, should I be in a different job? Uh, this, kind, this kind of question. Yeah. But I didn't really get a satisfactory answer I was comfortable with until 
for this 18 month period of time with Australia, by which time at the end of that, I had no doubt whatsoever what the answers were to those questions. I felt that I'd been given the key and the answer to the big question is what is life about? What's our purpose? Why am I here? And, and, and the answers which, which uh, I can share, because it's been part of my mission, is that we are all here on a journey. It's a journey of a soul rather than a human being, because it goes through many, many, many lifetimes. We're on a path and we're all on a mission. So we're all here for a purpose. The problem is, is even if we are aware that we are here for a purpose, we may not know what it is. And that's because the way the spirit world is, is designed and works is that our subconscious knows exactly what we're here for and what our mission is and what we're here to do to achieve um, in our next life uh, a, a more, more more benefits if you like it's, it's a big subject but i suppose we're it's on growth, a path. it's growth it's, yeah we're here to wherever grow. we start wherever we are it's about just growing it's about growing yes it is and and but growing spiritually or sort of from a soul aspect rather yes. than from a physical necessarily getting cleverer and that's right else. that's right absolutely correct that's right so uh, every single person has a subconscious mind and that subconscious knows exactly what happens. I'm just going is. to interject. Mm. Uh, and the only reason I'm interjecting is because I think we all use different terminology. Mm. So quite often when I speak about subconscious, I speak about subconscious programming, beliefs, mm. all that kind of stuff. How is what you're talking about different to that? It's similar. It's um, when we're born, we know, even though we're, we're, we're a newborn baby, we know what our purpose is on the it's planet. like a deep understanding it's a deep, a deep understanding knowing. deep knowing but our conscious mind is not aware this is the reason why across the planet we've got accountants who in their heart have always wanted to be artists or we've got bank officials who always wanted to be a pilot and actually when i do um, i do a conscious leader at least a authentic leadership mm. module and in that for people to get in touch with their authenticity I take them back to childhood yeah because at that point is when you have the least amount of layers and protections exactly and it's yeah. when you're most pure yeah. um, anything after that and you have so many layers and so much experience that there's stuff between you and what you want to be yes and that's what you're sort of saying that's is that right. right yeah what causes the average person stress and discomfort ill health even is they're probably leading a life which is not in alignment with their purpose. What brings ultimate happiness and ultimate fulfillment in life is knowing that you are following your purpose and that you're doing what you were born to do. And I'm smiling because if you ever do find your purpose and you're on your purpose and something happens to take you off, it can feel like there's no point. Yes. I mean, I know recently yes. I've been through a number of challenges and I've contemplated getting a reasonable, what's it a, what does my father call it? Um, a proper job. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. My mother said that my, my whole life. When are you going to get a proper, a proper job? job. Yeah. Um, and so I, I even contemplated it just because I've got kids and we need to keep a roof over our head. And my actual sensation was, to me, it's akin to dying. 
mm. you know, to, to, to go and get a proper job and do like a nine to five and in something that I'm not passionate about. Mm. I, I just, I do not see the point. No. It just doesn't make any sense to me. No, that, that's right. You have that, that awareness, which a lot of people have internally or subconsciously, but not consciously. So what, what our challenge is for every single person on the planet <coughs> is if we can find in our subconscious what, um, what is the mission we signed up to before we came and incarnated on the planet? What is the mission we agreed to in the spiritual worlds? What is our purpose? Um, because once you find that and you accept it and you follow it, there is no other choice. As you just said, anything else feels wrong. So I've got a couple of questions that come up when you talk about this. Mm. For everyone that's listening, how do they do that? Because, I mean, well, suddenly understanding and knowing that this is so important in your life, how do they find what their purpose and their mission is? What can they do? Well, to explore that and to come that to that again is, 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 is a really, really huge question. And there's a, there's a number of answers. Yeah. So everyone has intuition, but we tend to, in the modern world, use it less and less, unless we are. And it's like anything, if you, the less you use it, the more. Yeah, it's like but a it muscle doesn't go magic. away, it's no. there all the time, but it just, you, I mean, I know it because I, I use it myself. Yeah. Um, you just, it's so quiet. Yes. It's almost, you have to make time to yeah. really listen to it. I think when I started mm -hmm. learning to use it the most was when I started coaching. Yeah. Because I used it in my coaching sessions. And yeah. at first, when I'd get an intuitive thought, I remember thinking, oh, that's rubbish, I mustn't do, I can't tell my client that. <laughs> and then as I sort of became more confident and I started sharing these insights, it was amazing. They, and now I, I rely on them because yes. they are just so poignant. They, they are the keys that generally shift my clients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Well, we, we, have, we have a number of spiritual entities watching over us. Uh, we're familiar with the term guardian angel which is probably our closest, the one that is beside us through every lifetime. But there are many other spiritual guides and teachers, and they're all not wanting to intervene in our lives, but they all want us to find our mission. They get frustrated watching us going down the wrong path. They go, oh, not again. They've gone down this road. They should have gone down that one. So they, they, they're, they're willing us. And what they do is they send us intuitive signals so what would that look like so somebody who isn't sure hmm. how would they know what an intuitive signal is so that they can start looking out for them yeah. in their lives well first of all signals can come through opening up your intuition and how do you um, do that well i'll come back to that one <laughs> okay um the second one is if you do undertake meditation meditation is a way of silencing the ego and silencing intrusive thoughts that gives a, a clearer passage for your subconscious to speak to your conscious so yeah. meditation is a good one and but mindfulness as well mindfulness um just sort of trying to be in the present without it's when we get into our heads isn't it and yeah. the noise and the the because that's something that i also think that that's where i was getting a bit muddled with the subconscious is because i always think the subconscious is those sort of programs mm. and it's the chatter it's the regurgitation of thoughts that you've thought a hundred times before and if you're in that space, you can't hear anything. No. So it's about it's learning the to messages. drop out of that, yeah. isn't it? Because you've got an enemy. You've got an enemy. There is, there is something that does not want you to find out what your purpose is, and that's the ego. The ego wants to stay in control. 
So if you really want to find your purpose, you have to learn to tame the ego, and that's another subject we can talk about. But um, the deeper question, how you can find your purpose, yes, through meditation, through to releasing your intuitive um, energies. Um, the other thing is the spirit world send us what we call synchronicities which are not the same as random coincidences. Synchronicities are much more powerful. Um, and the more synchronicities that happen in your life, the closer you are to being on the right path. The other thing is that because we have all known... It's a bit like the kiddies game. Warmer, warmer, colder, colder. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. The other thing is that um, we all do know our purpose. Um, but sometimes we won't listen to the message. A an example of that is every single person is unique and we, are all, we all have different skill sets. So some of us are musicians, some of us are artists, some of us are potter potters. I mean, I can see it even with my children. Yeah. I mean, my, I've got two boys, similar age, um, and they are so different. They're, mm. they're intrinsic personality who they actually are the energy that they were born into this mm. world with was different from the word go yes um and it's yeah it's fabulous when you see it so clearly and you just look around and think everyone is like that yeah. everyone is born with such beauty um and also individual yes. they're, they're totally individual uh, and we all have skills and the reason is the the universe or the spirit world have given us this potential when we're born to develop these skills. So I've met so many people, I'm sure you have too, who may be in very, very mundane day jobs or careers, when they get home in the evening or at weekends, they will be following their passion. They may be a writer or an artist or as I said, a, a carpenter. And what, what that's telling them is the skills they've developed throughout their life and their interests are going to be very, very close to what their mission should be because that's why they develop those skills and the, the, that knowledge base but on a monday morning when they get up and put their uniform on and go to work they may be doing a job that is not in a life so they switch themselves off yeah but the people who are luckiest are people who are in alignment so there are people like nurses or policemen or firefighters or, or charity workers who may know intuitively I love my job. This is what I'm here to do. And they're probably right. But there Teachers are millions. and people like Exactly. That. Yeah. People who follow their heart and go for a career. Um, and, and that's to be hugely admired. But there are millions who are stressed because they're not in alignment with what they're here to do. So they need to, if, if there are people listening to this and people who want to learn more, um, the ways that you could actually find out more about what your purpose and your mission is you can try meditation it doesn't work for everyone you can try stilling the ego stilling the chattering mind through mindfulness or developing intuition um, you can take notice of synchronicities some people even go to a spiritual healer or a psychic or a medium who can also help them um, to find that purpose but it has to come from within I'm actually thinking, um, there's something that I, you're reminding me of something as we're mm. talking. Um, 
I do from time to time and then I forget about it and then I'll do it again. And it's about almost asking the universe or spirit or whatever you want to call it, God, or mm. asking them a question and keep on asking it. Yes. Um, I remember for years, I remember sort of saying, I know I'm here for a reason. It was like I had this knowing inside myself mm. that wouldn't go away. Yes. Just like what you spoke about. Mm. Um, and I mean, I did many things. I ran my own business. I did whatever. But this thing niggled at me. And it was like, I know I'm here for a reason, but I just don't know what it is. Mm. Um, and I kept on asking. And not only did I ask the, God, uh, you know, the universe, God, source, life, whatever. Um, I also would speak to people who I thought might be able to help me. Yeah. Um, and that's maybe something people can do is just to keep yes. asking. You know, when you go and look for a book, find a book on finding your purpose. When you speak to people that mm. might have knowledge on it, ask them, how do I find my purpose? Yeah. If you go to psychics, or if you believe in that, go and ask them. Yeah, um, and you can just still the mind, um, a few deep breaths, still the mind, and ask them that question directly. What you've got to remember is the answer might not come, you might not get an immediate response saying, oh, you're supposed to have been a brain surgeon for the last 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen like that, yeah. But sometimes you can miss the answers. Like, for an example might be, you, you ask a question of the universe, I'm not sure of my purpose, please help me uh, get the answer. And then a couple of days later, you might walk into a bookshop, um, you might accidentally brush past a bookshelf and a book falls out at your feet. It may be the universe saying, pick up this book and see what it says. This is, this is our way of telling you what you should be doing. There can be all kinds of subtle messages. Or you might find you, you plan to do something on a certain day and then you have an intuition to go somewhere else or to listen to a certain talk. And that's the universe guiding you because this is an important message, but you might not recognise it. And that's actually something that I do. I don't often go to clairvoyance or spiritual um, mediums and things like that because I. Um, I'm, I suppose I'm concerned that people can start to rely on other people, the outside world, to mm. give them the answers and yeah. not themselves. That's right. And the only yeah. time I do go is if somebody, if it comes up sort of three times or more mm. um, within the space of a few weeks, or if, if people keep mentioning that they've been to see a spirit guide or a, a medium or a clairvoyant or whatever, then I take it as a hint and a nudge that actually maybe there's a message that I'm not getting <laughs> yes. and I should go and see someone. And bizarrely enough, that was how I started my coaching journey. Ah, yeah. um, I got this sort of three people kept on talking about speaking to a clairvoyant and eventually I was like, okay, I'll go. Um, yeah. And I went along and I said to her, what I want to know is what am I meant to be doing? Yeah. And she said, have you thought of coaching? And I think I'd, it, I, it wasn't even something I was aware really was a career. Mm. Um, and she said, I said, well, how will I know what I'm meant? Do you know which coaching? I mean, I have no idea even where to start. And she said, Google it. You'll know the right one. And when I Googled the right it, answer. the very first <laughs> one that came up was conscious coaching. Yeah. And it was, and then I went and researched all sorts of other courses, but that first one was the right one. It's that very, very often happens. And the golden rule is if it feels right, it usually is right. Um, yeah. The other thing is um, sometimes if you're not listening to spirit guidance, they will put barriers up in what you're doing as a day job. So many, many people will find their career or day job more and more frustrating for all sorts of reasons. There'll be new regulations they have to deal with or there'll be a change in their personal Irritating co-worker or yeah, they uncooperative boss or something like that. Exactly, yeah. And they put these challenges there. And we don't realise it's the spirit world saying, well, we're trying to put obstacles and barriers up. 
because you you need to change where your focus is. And do you think it's always, and the reason I'm asking is just through my own personal journey I've been on in the last three years, um, is it always the direction that you're going in? Because what I think I've realised is um, it was a personal power issue. Mm -hmm. I'd given my power away to other people and it was a sense of reclaiming my own, yeah, own power. Um, And as soon as I've started doing that, things have eased up and started to shift and move. Yeah, and you've you've just touched on another very, very important part of the big picture by saying that, which is that that there is there is two two elements of being on a what I I call a soul journey, which is our life. If you you just focus on one life. Um, The first is the big question we've just been talking about. Are you following your life's purpose? Are you following the mission that you're here for? And the second element is the reason we're on a soul journey is because every lifetime we live through, we have to overcome a number of challenges or obstacles to spiritually grow. If we don't overcome those challenges and obstacles that are thrown in our path, doesn't matter. It just means in our next life, it's repeated because we have to learn these lessons before we can progress. So the way we progress on our path is not just about following our mission. It's we're given specific challenges and obstacles, like the one you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. your personal power. Um, And the way we deal with those determines our progress on the path. Because even if we know our purpose, that we're here to be a nurse or we're here to be uh, an airline pilot or whatever, that's not enough it's we also have to face the challenges that are thrown in front of us head on overcome those challenges because if we shy away from facing up to them then we're slowing our spiritual progress it doesn't mean we're a failure in the slightest i don't think there is ever wrong no there's not failure or success it's just that level it's just a journey yeah you just take a detour yeah, you just decide to go around the loop, overcome a challenge you were set Definitely. in the way you should have done. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a big part of the journey. Is is um, it, if you ask if you ask the spirit world, what is the point of me going through all these lifetimes? Their answer is always consistent. They say Earth is a schoolroom. You're here to learn, and the more you learn, the more you progress. And if you don't learn, you go back another time. And that kind of learning isn't our school system learning. It's not about gaining (laughs) more knowledge. It's about, um, I think there's actually a term, vertical learning. Mm. So um, horizontal learning is about just learning more stuff. Vertical learning is transformation. It's becoming and changing and becoming a different kind of person. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And something I just wanted to share is, I mean, I know for myself and the journey I've been on, knowing whether the blockages are coming because I'm not on my purpose or because they're things that I haven't learnt within my own journey can be really confusing. And if you're in that space, I suggest you find somebody like a coach or a a good friend or somebody like Joe or myself who knows how to guide you through those. Because Mm. I don't know if you've ever looked at other people's relationships but it's a lot easier to see what's going on from the outside it than it is from the inside. Yeah. <laughs> Relationships is one of the biggest teachers. It's, it's one of the main ones. So if you can imagine it, the analogy, when you are between lives, um, 
whatever you choose to call that, that period of time. You are with your spirit guides and you review this life. When you've transitioned, death, you, you review this life. And, and actually, sorry, what Joe's saying, um, I mean, you've got that from working with Astraea. Yeah. But if you read any um, past life books or anything like that, they're all very consistent, really, oh, yeah. in totally. the information that they that people share and that have learned about. Regardless of cultural religion. Yeah, it's anything. amazing. Yeah. So basically what happens is um, before you're reborn onto this planet, um, you will meet with your guides and your teachers and they will they will review all the obstacles and challenges you've been through in your previous life and how well you did or didn't do in a very constructive, non-critical way, I have to say. Um, and then they'll agree what maybe 10 challenges they're going to give you next time around and you sign up to them that that's in, in spiritual words called your soul contract yeah, you want to do it you want to because do it. you want agree to do it yeah and it, it's, <laughs> it's just that only when we get to the earth plane we go no oh, i don't like that challenge i don't think i want to do exactly, that anymore exactly yeah and it could be that in that scenario that they say right we've got 10 challenges for you in your next life one of them is you're going to be in a very very difficult relationship um and that's intentional um, but the way you tackle it and deal with it and, and move forward um, determines your progress. So when you get here, you forget all that. And then all of a sudden you're in this difficult, terrible relationship. Um, and it, two things can happen. If you're spiritually and consciously aware, you know, this is my challenge. I'm here to face this challenge head on. And, and I know what I need to do to get through it. But if you're not aware of the spiritual dimension, and you're just thinking very human earthbound terms, you'll just see it in those terms and you may or may not learn the lesson. And it's different lessons for different people. Yeah, so, I mean, totally. if you're in a challenging relationship, for some people it might be having the courage to walk away and um, do something on their own because that's really scary. Mm. Um, for other people, it will be to work with that person yes. and to create um, a relationship that you want. Yes. Um, and it'll be different for, for each person. Mm. Now, I just want to go back. You spoke about opening up the intuition. Mm. Um, how can somebody do that? Well, you, you have to... It, the intuition is like a muscle that if you don't exercise it, it, it withers away eventually. Um, everyone everyone gets intuitions the difference is people either listen or don't listen or listen to a certain degree and if you're if you recognize that you're on a spiritual journey and you're a spiritual soul then part of that is learning to trust your intuition because we all and i'm included in this sometimes we have something on the horizon it could be an event or a relationship issue or a problem and you get an intuition about what to do but your ego overrides it and say oh no forget that forget that intuition the obvious thing to do is this and then you listen to the ego and then you make the wrong decision and then you think looking back oh i should have done i should have followed my intuition something actually that i know as well from my intuition and it's not in all the cases but if i have that battle between the ego and the intuitive thought mm. It's quite often the intuitive thought is the scary thought. Um, but yes, I, that's true. What I do Can is be. I imagine two paths. And I kind of think to myself, if I go down this path, where will it take me? Or if I go do, down that path, where will it take me? Mm. And it helps me to sort of move beyond the now and you know the conflict that I'm in at the moment to sort of look a little bit further along to see where each choice will, will get me. 
um, and how I feel about it energetically. So one might be safer, but I feel heavier and slightly darker and slightly murkier. The other one might be more scary, but I feel lighter, I feel more excited, and there are more possibilities. And that helps me to sort of judge which one I is, is really true for my soul. Yeah, the, the, you've, got an, you've opened up another interesting element, which is the golden rule, okay? The golden rule is probably the hardest lesson we had to learn, and most people don't learn. They, they avoid listening to the golden rule. And the golden rule is very, very simple. It's We come to the end of the first part of this interview with Joe St. Clair, where we looked at how why he gave up a highly successful career to follow his calling, his meeting and subsequent apprenticeship with Estrella the Earth Angel. And we leave it on the cliffhanger, yes, I'm very clever, <laughs> to get you to listen to a little bit more, where he started to tell us about the golden rule. To find out more, you can tune into the second part of the interview, which is already available. Thank you very much for listening. I am Britannia, and you've been listening to the Inspiring Global Transformation. If you've enjoyed this, make sure you subscribe, and if you have a moment, we would love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. If you want more from me, I have blogs, videos, meditations, courses, social media links, and more on my website, www.britannia.com. That is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-A dot com. Thank you so much for listening and lots of love from me to you.